I, uh, this past week, had the opportunity to head out to my garbage can, which I do a few times a week. And um, this time there was a surprise waiting for me under the lid. And uh, when I opened it up, I uh, saw something small and whitish and curled up under. And uh, there have been times where we've opened up our shed and we've seen uh, the cocoons of wasps and nests nesting in there. I thought, well, maybe it's a wasp nest. I thought, that's really cool to see, especially if the larvae are inside or pupa or whatever they're called at that point. So, and then I looked a little closer. I thought, no, I don't think it's that. Maybe it's a, a butterfly chrysalis somehow that got up underneath the lid. And so I, I looked and it wasn't moving. So I thought it was safe. I pulled it off and I realized I was kind of disappointed because um, it wasn't anything fun at all. In fact, it was just part of an old label that had gotten stuck <laughs> um, instead of being thrown away. And uh, so I was disappointed at that point. But then I looked a little closer. And you know what I found? It was, uh, it was part of a label from a package that my mother had just recently sent us. And so all of a sudden I went from um, excitement to disappointment to a reminder that my mom loved me. And it was, just, I mean, such a roller coaster ride just going to the garbage can. Can you imagine? You never know where excitement is going to find you on any given moment. You know, working and dealing and being with other people... Sometimes it's kind of like looking in the garbage can. You can laugh, it's okay. Because uh, we have certain uh, expectations and certain thoughts about what being in relationship with a group of people should be. In fact, the the world would tell us all sorts of things about what that is. We bring our own uh, uh, pre-assumptions into the mix and um, we... We can think that maybe it's going to be one way and uh, we find out maybe it's not what we had expected or assumed relating with other people uh, in a deep and good way is... And then if we look closer, though, we can often find that um, it's sometimes beyond our expectations we find the beauty and joy of life together in the Lord. Life with others, we are told often or sometimes we bring into are relating to others, that life with other people is supposed to be always a really positive experience and it always should make me happy, right? And if it's not making me happy, then, then being committed to a group of people is not what it was supposed to be. So sometimes that's an assumption we bring in. Being part of a church is always going to be an easy facet, right? It's always going to be easy to me and uh, if it's not, then something's wrong, right? When a church is harder uh, than we expected, we can quickly look for another church. We can go out and find some other place that we assume is going to be a better place. And so we unplug our lives when things get hard at one church, and we are tempted to go and assume that somewhere else is going to be better just because we have uh, gone somewhere else. Sometimes it certainly is the right time to do that. No, No question about it. But too often what I have discovered over life is that when difficulties come in a church family and the way that people relate together, is that if I too quickly unplug from one church and go and try to look for another space because I assume it's going to be better there, you know what You know what often happens, maybe even more often than not, is that I assume that when I unplug here that I've left the problem behind and I, un- I plug my life in somewhere else. And often what is happening is that I'm not allowing God through the interaction with that group of people that I've left. I'm not allowing God to do the work in me that He wants to do in me in developing my life because 
of what was unexpected in this particular fellowship. Does that make sense? Two weeks ago, um, we talked about the importance of being committed to God as we are working through and really just beginning our series. Uh, There's going to be many weeks uh, of looking together at our church covenant And why do we have a church covenant? Why have we written down certain things that that try to give expression to what it means for us to be in relationship together? And and we started a couple of weeks ago looking at what is known as the great commandment. When somebody wants to ask Jesus, out of of all the things that are spoken in the Bible, how am I, if if you're to boil it down into something that's really digestible, what what is the most important? And, And he says there are two things that really are critical. Number one is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like it, to love others as yourself. And so two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of being committed to God, that that God has committed Himself to us. We know that because of the work that Jesus uh, came to do. He lived His life and He taught, but then He went to a cross on purpose to die for our sin. And it demonstrates God's commitment to us. And then on that Easter morning, He rose from the dead again to, to validate that He really can forgive sin and, and remove the, that which is a barrier between us and our ability to relate to God. And in Jesus, God has shown His commitment more than in any other way. His commitment to you and His love for you. And He invites you and me to commit our lives back to Him. We know that faith cannot be exercised apart from being committed to God. That, that's kind of the easy part for most of us and as far as conceptually understanding. But for a lot of us, the difficult part, the day-to-day difficulty, is in being committed to one another and in being relationship that matters. And if you, for, if you don't remember anything else today, I hope you remember this, that, that when people begin to wear on you in a relationship like this, is that your calling in God is to bear with them. That when people begin to wear on you, you are called to bear with them. Open your Bibles, would you, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is such a great book. It's one of my favorites for many reasons. And Ephesians has six chapters. And the first three chapters of Ephesians really deal with uh, theological uh, ideas. And it helps give some understanding of what God has done in Jesus and why it matters and how we enter into and walk in this relationship with God, what it means to be committed to God. And the second part of Ephesians, chapters three or uh, 4, 5, and 6, uh, talk a lot more about what it means to live now our lives together, to be committed to one another. And we will find um, the Bible talking about this today, because this idea of one another is found 94 different verses in the New Testament. The Bible talks about what it means to have relationship one to another, and it gives some texture and and understanding in different ways. And in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 1, gives one of the great ones here. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to them. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So this is really important. There's a transition happening here. He is urging those who read the letter, including us today, to listen because he is now telling us if you've been called in Christ, looking back on the first three chapters of the book, now this is how you to live your life. And he gives some description of what that is. 
as a prisoner for the Lord. Paul was writing, you know, he was imprisoned multiple times because of his faith. And, and he's writing, not, not that they would be discouraged because he's in prison, but uh, because of that they might find encouragement that he is fulfilling his commitment. And now he's calling them to also fulfill their commitment to God and their commitment to one another. As a prisoner for the Lord, it's worth hearing again. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he gives some description of what that calling is. So you ready to hear? He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Can you say that last phrase with me? Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's what we have time to, to look at in the time we have left today. There was, uh, when I was growing up, um, I, I have a lot of older cousins. I'm one of the younger in my family. My dad was one of 13 kids, and they all got married, and all, they all had kids, and all my cousins were a lot older than me, like 15 and 20 years older, and here I come, and I'm, I'm the wee, wee little man, right? Growing up, I'm the little boy, and so when all my cousins began to get married, guess who they wanted to be? Their ring bearer. Me. So I had a little white tuxedo that was made for me, and I wore it uh, multiple times, and I'd carry the pillow down the aisle of the church buildings, and, and uh, you know, with the ring attached. And I even uh, was, uh, one of my nephews got married a few years ago, and I was back uh, home visiting my family, and one of my older cousins said, do you remember that time? You were about five years old, and you were the ring bearer in, in my wedding. And, and I said, no. <laughs> uh, who are you? <laughs> and, uh, and he says, yeah. He says, you know, we're up on the platform and you started making noise, you know, right in the middle of the service. And he said, I tapped your lips to get you to be quiet and you chomped down on my finger. (laughs) I said, you're lying. I would never do that in a church building. (laughs) He pulled over some of our other cousins and and they confirmed it. And so, true enough, um, I asked, did I draw blood? And he said, no. I said, it wasn't worth it then. That, that's not true. That last part's not true. But I grew up being a ring bearer. And there, there was once a boy who was a ring bearer, and uh, as he started down the aisle, as he would walk, he would turn this way and he'd go, Arr! and he'd turn this way, Arr! all the way down the aisle. And nobody knew what in the world he was doing or why he was doing it. And when the wedding was over, his mom pulled him aside and says, Sweetheart, what were you doing growling at everybody? And he said, Mom, he said, I'm the ring bear, and bears growl. He didn't understand the word to, to bear, to carry something. But what is Paul's intent here when he talks about bearing with one another? That you are to bear with one another in love. It means to endure with each other. It means to put up with each other. You know, the church here... They, they were struggling with a big problem in Ephesus at the time and in a lot of the, the early world there, the first century world, because you had people from a Jewish background who had become believers in Jesus, and you had people from a non-Jewish background who had become believers in Jesus, and how were the two supposed to worship together? How could they possibly bear up with each other? It wasn't just personality differences that were straining. There, there were some deep significant and centuries-old, generations-old 
issues that they were having to work through together to figure out how are they going to bear with one another in love. And so we are called to bear with one another. We're giving some, given some tips on how to do it. Three words give some description for how we can do it. Here's what it says to be in verse two, to be completely humble and gentle and patient. Think about the opposite of those words. When we lack humility in our relationship with other people, when we lack gentleness, when we are impatient with others, how that undercuts our ability to bear with each other, to put up with each other. And you know, this week I, I was asking myself, all right, it, you know, it's easy for a, a preacher to preach something, but not really to think about it. And so I looked myself in the mirror and I said, you know what, Bryce? I said, there are times that people have to bear with you. And then I started arguing with myself. <laughs> No, that's not possible. And I told myself, it's true. People at times, hopefully not often, but I know there are times, maybe more than I like to know or imagine, but people have to bear with me too. And you know, when we're tempted to not put up with other people or to bear with them, sometimes it's not always them who are the problem. And sometimes it's God wanting to work in both of those lives to shape each one more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Because where else is our best laboratory for God to put His hands on your heart and your mind and to give shape to your life, if not for the church, and if not for our shared life together? So how is it that we can bear with one another in love if we are not committed to each other? That's the reason, one of the reasons that we have a church covenant is that we would learn to give expression to this idea of commitment, not just to God in my prayer closet alone by myself, but in the main place where God wants to shape me, and that is in relationship with His church. And that's us together. That's why being committed to God and being committed to one another, the two have to go hand in hand. That's why Jesus said, it is the great commandment. It's not just that you learn to pray well and you can sit at home and worship well. No. It's that you have to learn to love others. And you know what? They're learning to love you. And boy, that, that is so helpful to me as I continue to grow in this that uh, other people are having to, to bear with me along the way. So my question for us today, I'm aware of the time, is uh, how are you doing in your commitment to people in this fellowship? How are you doing? You know, 94 times we've mentioned the Bible uses this word, one another. And it, it's, it gives description in all different sorts of contexts about what that means. We're reading here about bearing up with one another, but there are other places it describes other things. Out of those 94 instances where the word one another is used, is uh, about a third of them are dealing with unity in the church. Things like be at peace with one another in Mark. Or in 1 Thessalonians when it says to seek the good for one another, not repaying evil for evil. So a third of those 94 deal with unity in the church. About a third of them deal with loving one another. And here's how the Bible often describes loving one another. Here's, here's the word phrase. You ready? Love 
one another. (laughs) It's not that tricky. Although in practice, it certainly can get sticky. Right? So, a third of them deal with unity in the church. A third of them about deal with loving one another. And that idea of loving each other is in lots of places. We're told to serve one another in love in Galatians chapter 5 as an example. And then about 15% deal with humility. First Peter tells us to clothe yourselves with humility. How many of you this morning got up and pulled out of your closet or your drawers, you chose the clothes that you would wear this morning. Raise your hand. If you chose what you were wearing, you chose to pull it out. Okay, I think all of us. You chose to pull it out, you chose to put it on, and you chose to come into this space wearing what you're wearing. And I'm looking at you. Good job. (laughs) We are also told to clothe ourselves with humility. And yes, humility is something that, as Jesus' character is shaped more and more in us, should become more evident. But often when the Bible describes humility, you know what it says? We are told to humble ourselves. We have to learn to discipline ourselves with humility. And we choose, just like the clothes you put on this morning, we choose to wrap ourselves in the humility of Jesus. And as we walk more in it, we... We see it more profoundly in our lives. Philippians chapter 2 says, In humility count others more significant than yourselves. Ninety-four times this idea of one another, bearing with one another. When people begin to wear on you, our calling is to bear up with them. Would you reach out and pull out the hymnal there in front of you? A couple of weeks ago when we uh, shared the Lord's Supper together, we... uh, read this together, and at times we're going to come back over this series and we're going to read the whole thing together. At other times, we're going to read just a small part to help give some connection to what this is. And there's uh, three little sections of the preamble there. We're going to look at the third section, the part that says, we do now in the presence of God. And we're going to read that together in just a moment. I'll lead us through. And I want you in your mind's eye, when you see the words one another, I want you to imagine a highlighter, a bright yellow highlighter going right across those two words, one another. Okay? You ready? We do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, solemnly and joyfully covenant with one another that we will... Stop. So there are going to be weeks we're going to take out these bullet points and one by one we're going to examine them and try to understand biblically what is it that we are trying to give voice to in the way we are to live our lives both with God and with each other. Solemnly means we do it seriously and on purpose. Joyfully means that we learn, not just in the hard times, but there are good times in the church. If you're ever connected to a church that doesn't laugh, you might want to ask yourself what's going on in this place where the joy of the Lord seems to be absent. We do solemnly and joyfully covenant with one another that we will, committed to God, and committed to each other. This is really just a continuation of a long introduction 
as we move forward together. Tonight at our family meeting, it's already been mentioned, we're going to have a good conversation. We're going to share some good food together. We're going to share about and discuss some really great ideas for taking care of our building and our sanctuary. And I hope you're able to join us downstairs at 5.30 tonight. It's going to be a good evening together. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your love and Your joy. We thank You for Your calling to our lives. And it's one that we need not lay down quickly or easily of bearing with one another. And we do know that there are times when maybe a church, new church, is is what You you call us to, and, and that can be good and okay. But help us not to easily, too easily go there. Help us to really explore what it is you want to do in us, even when things are are tough, even when things aren't what I expected, or relating to other people is more challenging than I thought it should be. So God, thank you that other people around me today, that they bear up with me, that they bear with me. Thank you. Thank you for their patience and their gentleness. Thank you. Help me today to be patient with others, to be gentle with them. Help us to pray for each other, God, so that your love would be known in us, not just individually, but in our community of faith. Please help us, we ask now, Jesus, in your name, in your power, and for your sake we ask it all. Amen. Perhaps today you don't know what it is to, uh, to really walk in a committed relationship with a, a church family. And you'd like to wonder, uh, maybe begin a conversation about what it is to be a member of this church and why membership matters here. Um, we're going to stand and sing, and as we sing, you're invited to come. I'll be here at the front. I'd love to begin a conversation. If you don't want to do that, there's a phone number on your bulletin. You can call the church office this week, and we can start a conversation with you then. But uh, let me invite you. Would you find your music sheet and let's stand together and we're going to sing our last song.